0: Welcome to the Best Science Medicine Podcast, BS without the BS. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 565th episode of the Best Science Medicine Podcast. My name is James McCormack, and I'm
1: a professor with the Faculty of Pharmaceutical Sciences at the University of British Columbia. I'm Mike Allen. I'm a family doctor and the director of practice support at the College of Family Physicians of Canada. I'm also an adjunct professor at the University of Alberta. And I was thinking that I, our guest today, I met at, as a um, staff member at the college, but actually that's not true. I first met her when she came to the University of Alberta for a rotation in evidence-based medicine, mm-hmm. which was weird. Why she would pick me in evidence-based medicine at the University of Alberta? That's strange. But anyway, I guess she couldn't find anybody else after everyone else. She chose me. Nice. <laughs> Emily, like, why don't you introduce
2: yourself? But I'm Emily Blasky. I'm a family physician working in Ottawa. And I'm also a physician advisor of the College of Family Physicians of Canada. Excellent. And I did oh, research, Mike. Sorry, as a resident, and at the time there weren't that many voices in Canada doing that work. So,
1: so they. So it wasn't because you were special, Mike. No, uh, I no, know. No. I was. I was. I, like I said, after everyone else, you chose yeah, me. Yeah. It's
2: like this, <laughs> <Sorry>. the story. <horror laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So, if the for, for the people who are listening to, if you are having difficulty hearing this podcast, this podcast <laughs> is for you. Oh. Nice. I know. So uh, we're going to do a tools of to practice that is, uh, the title of it is Do-It-Yourself Hearing Aids. And I think, you know, a really important area because hearing is such a vital component of, uh, of human interaction. And uh, so you guys, we obviously decided
1: to have a look at this. Before we go any further, yeah. does any of the three of us have a dad who doesn't have a hearing problem?
2: Well, I know you know you guys... It?
1: Or didn't have a hearing problem. Yeah, exactly,
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, My, yeah. I, I, I don't know if it was real or not, though.
1: <laughs> As a dad, you're beginning to learn the, the, the patterns, right, James? Yeah, sorry, what was that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sorry, Emily, why don't you take us through your question and um, the evidence?
2: Right, so I don't have a dad with hearing problems yet. Um, I do have a dad. However, um, I do have lots of patients with hearing problems, And I'd say that the grand majority of them tell me that they have hearing aids that they don't wear. Um, yeah, yes. so it just comes up over and over and over again. And I work on um on an inpatient service, and what we have are pocket talkers who so is kind of like um mag magnifying device. So you can just put amplify. on ears. Yeah. Amplifying yeah. thank you. Yeah. Um, they can just put on the patient's ears and you can you can actually have a conversation. And those cost nothing. Obviously they're very bulky and not easy to use necessarily, but um, you know, that's where the question came. Um are there any alternatives to sort of conventional hearing aids? So we're not going to talk about those devices today, but we're going to be talking about the direct-to-consumer hearing aids. Um, Before I go any further, just to make sure that we know what we're talking about. So when we're talking about conventional hearing aids, we're talking about the hearing aids that you usually get fitted at the audiologist's office using an audiogram. Mm -hmm. So there's some programming that goes on um, using the results from the audiogram that's supposed to be specific for your own hearing loss characteristics. Uh, Those are very costly. As I'm sure you're aware, so with some technological changes over the last couple of years, there's been a proliferation of dairy to consumer hearing aids. Um, because those were not allowed to be marketed as hearing aids, they're actually called personal, personal sound amplifier products, and they're marketed for patients that have normal hearing um, and the idea being that you would have a device that the patient or the patient's family would be able to adjust with minimal help. So either you have buttons on the device or you have an app, um, and then you can just communicate with the device with the app. So in 2017, there was some legislation in the United States to create a new category of, a, category of a hearing aids that would be over-the-counter. And the idea was really to regulate those things. Um, so it would be freely available, but it would be FD approved. So that came with some regulations, so maximum sound output, insertion depth limit, um, some way to adjust the volume, some performance specifications, and some design requirements. And, and I, so, since oh, sorry.
0: No, I was going to say, and I think it's great that that's the case because I mean, you know, the, with the way the technology from uh, from what we can hear and and listen with the, you know all the smartphones and all that sort of stuff, I think it's so important that that be done because. Otherwise, as you guys know, basically a monopoly on hearing aids. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and so since 2022, those over-the-counter hearing aids are available in the States, and they're FDA-approved. So Canada has been lagging behind a little bit. So hearing aids here are still considered medical devices, so they still need to be prescribed by audiologists and physicians. Um, So it's a bit of a different regulatory uh, landscape. I actually found a letter from 2023 from the College of Geologists of Speech and Language and Speech and Language pathology of Ontario. And what they were saying is, you know, uh, people are coming from the States buying those hearing aids. They're coming to us asking for some advice. So could you, um, you know, give some regulatory advice um, Uh, advice so we know what to do with with, how do how are we supposed to counsel patients when those are still not regulated in Canada so there's maybe going to be some change coming but so far um, in Canada hearing aids are medical devices and those are not regulated by Health Canada the ones I will talk about today
0: and so you know that's all the sort of regulatory stuff and it's really an important process but I you know the most I think the most important part of what you guys looked at was are, is there any difference or?
2: Yeah, so yeah. let's dive in. So yeah. there are two questions. The first one is how good are the devices themselves? Um, that's a bit of a moving target. A lot of the RCTs that were done were pre the boom of AI that we're currently witnessing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in a couple of years, it might be different, they may, the devices may be totally different. Um, and then the second question is how important is it to have a autogram to program the hearing aid? So if we talk about the first question, how good are the devices? Um, so here we're using, looking at having the same device that, sorry, that having different devices, so either conventional hearing aids or, uh, direct to consumer hearing aids, and they're all fitted using an autogram, best practices. Okay. So we have an RCT-42 patient crossover with patients with mild to moderate hearing loss. Those patients started with, um, the percent of words recognized at 76%. Um, And using those different devices, the 76% increased to 88% with conventional hearing aids versus different direct-to-consumer devices. So two were fairly similar at 87%. Those were the CS50 SoundWorld Solution and the SunHawk. And three were less performant than the conventional hearing aid, Um, the Ethmoic Bean at 84%. Quick focus at 81% and one was really terrible. So the MSA Pro 38 sound amplifier um, was 65% word recognized with the device. And remember that the baseline was 76%. So they essentially, they could um, hear worse. They were hearing worse with the um, hearing aid than without it. So it was kind of a very fancy hearing plug. This device... Is about thirty dollars just to give, and then so the one that was really performing poorly is about thirty dollars. All of the other ones that were performing either similar or a little bit worse are around a couple hundred dollars.
0: And when you guys looked at this, is there a, is there a standard for what it would there would be what would be an important improvement? No. I, I just don't have a good idea no. of what that would, what this would be.
2: No, and those are done in sound. So those outcomes are done in sound booths. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're it's very it's very different than having a conversation with your grandchildren children or whatever. Right. Um yeah, so there is definitely the data the um mm. it's not ideal the outcomes that we have, but that's all we have. Okay. Um, and then so the second question is, um, does it matter whether or not you you use an autogram to program the hearing aid or can you kind of wing it yourself based on, you know, how you feel your hearing is going? Um, so for that, we're using the same device, but having different fittings. So either it's fitted using an autogram or fitted by the patients on their own. So we have one systematic review, five RCTs or crossover studies. And for speech intelligibility, there was no difference. And we have an additional RCT fairly recent, 64 patients, very pragmatic. They actually just asked uh, patients who had a self-perceived hearing loss to enroll. So it would, they didn't even confirm if, ahead of time whether or not they had hearing loss. It was really, you feel like you're struggling, come to us. And they gave us a, a device called Alexi Lumen and this was either fitted using uh, autogram and audiologist, uh, using real ear verification, so those are the audiologist's best practices, or it was fitted uh, using, telling them, you know, just go download the app, go figure it out. And they followed those patients for six weeks. And at the end of the six weeks, the self-assessed communication difficulties scale, so that's one of the outcomes they used, it was very similar. So baseline was 34 to 37 and improved to 19 with self-fitted versus 24 with an autogram-fitted. And for that scale, um, lower is better. And that wasn't statistically different between the uh, self-fitted versus autogram-fitted. When it came to speech intelligibility and quality of life, there was no difference. So essentially, if you had this, this device, the Lexilumen, it's a direct-to-consumer device, and you were um, fitted with an autogram or fitting on your own, um, in the end, it looked like it was fairly similar.
0: I think that's an important thing because it shows that you can, you it gives a suggestion that you can do this on your own, so to speak.
2: Yeah. yeah. The only caveat is yours. The mean age was sixty-four, right? Mm-hmm. So they're not like you know your nine-year-old with arthritis mm-hmm. and macular degeneration, um, who's trying to fit this using an application, right? Yeah, but yeah.
0: No, I mean, I mean, I think you know, we, at some point, we all need help with technology, whether we're yes. whether we're two or ninety-two. But you know, I think it's it's nice that that's the case, and it's surprising that that is the case actually, because you'd have thought that there would be more evidence that. You know, if we do it in a special way. Now, I know we've done many, many podcasts and we shouldn't be surprised by, by things. But I, I, I don't know about you, Mike, but I would have thought that, you know, we, you'd have thought that we would be some evidence that if someone did it a
1: bit more precisely, it would be importantly better. But it doesn't sound like it. No, it's a, like you said, we shouldn't be surprised. But I continue to be surprised. Yeah. I think like a lot of us, if you mm-hmm. if you spend the time and money to, um get special uh fittings for um hearing, you would think that that would make a difference, yeah, but the, just the special fitting itself didn't seem to yeah, yeah. make too much difference and I agree with what both of you said the The challenge is that a lot of our patients will struggle to some don't even use a cell phone, which seems I know very foreign mm-hmm. to a mm-hmm. lot of people listening, but that's the reality they don't they don't some don't even use computers, yeah um so they they're not familiar with a sound, uh, a cell phone they won't be able to download something to help them um an app or anything it would it would really be their children yeah, or their yeah. grandchildren helping them um manage um many of these things that that require a downloaded app yeah and i think there's a big difference there's a
0: big difference between we need help with technology versus being uh you know audiogram fitted those are two completely yeah. separate things but yeah yeah totally right yeah
1: yeah oh it's gonna be still way way cheaper yeah oh, um, yeah yeah to, to to get these um done anyway Emily what else did you what else did you find
2: we well now it's a, it, yeah now sorry it's a grand real world question so um how do you self fit there are to consumer devices so they you know you buy them on your own and you you fit them on your own versus the autogun-fitted conventional hearing aids compare. Um, so here we have four systematic reviews, so using the most recent five RCTs or crossover studies in 124 patients and all with mild to moderate hearing loss. And they're testing a slew of different devices, so I'll just um, run through them, but the PS Uh, 2,500 Amp, the CS50 Plus Sound Solution, the Focus Ear RS2, the Tweak Focus, the Ethmoic Bean, and the Alice Smart Ear. A bunch of those are not available in Canada, um, and some may even not be available anymore because I say technology is changing day to day, Um, but uh, those were the ones that were tested. And when they looked at speech intelligibility, sound quality of listening effort, there is really no difference. Um, so those devices that are bought over-the-counter, fitted by patients on their own, seem to be fairly similar to the ones that are um, fitted with an autogram and usually much more expensive. And there is an additional other study, uh, 23 patients, so a small one, with patients with moderate to severe hearing loss and looking at the percentage of words recognized, so it was 60% at baseline. And that changed to seventy-six to eighty-eight percent with conventional hearing aids. So once again, uh, James, we don't know what is sort of meaningful, but hmm. you know, con- I guess conventional hearing aids would be kind of the gold standard, ish. Totally, yeah. Um, so sixty percent goes to seventy-six, eighty-eight, and then for the direct-to-consumer devices, so the CS fifty soundable solution, it was sixty-eight uh, percent, so a little less than uh, the conventional hearing aids. And the ethmotic bean was 80%. So it seems to be similar to the conventional hearing aids. There were no statistics provided. Um, so yeah, so in so just to recap, there appears to be some devices, although not all, um, that are comparable to the conventional hearing aids when those are fitted using best practices. Um, you probably don't need to have an autogram to feed, fit some hearing aids. Um, when there is an app available to the patient, it seems to be fairly equivalent. And then so sort of putting all those together, the hearing aids, they're available over the counter and self-fitted, and are self-fitted by patients for some of them, not all of them, but some of them appear to be fairly comparable to the ones that are um, autogram-fitted and um, usually bought via an endologist. Yeah.
0: But there are some limitations, though, to the evidence, because yeah. this is this is a tricky area, and it's not like you know, we're, we're comparing a drug to
1: placebo. No. Well, and I think the first one before we even get started is, you know, when we look at this, we're often talking, we will often use the term "the best available evidence," mm-hmm. and then that. And Emily has given us the best available evidence. The challenge for us is it's not really the best. Um, yeah. It's 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 not what we'd hope for. It it is the best that we have. Yeah. Um, but like, there is there is some limitations that Emily's going to get too, but yeah, some of yeah. these studies are like 124 uh, is the number of five combined RCTs. It's just, they're small, but they're still answering an important question. It's just that we don't have the, the, the this evidence is not what any of us yeah. would call us. Yeah. And I think it's a, that's an important
0: context, and that applies to anything that we're talking about. When we say the best available evidence, it doesn't mean it's very good.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's still, yeah. it's still good for, it's still helpful for us making decisions. Oh, absolutely, yeah, like, yeah. Like without it, we have absolutely nothing. Yeah. Right. we're just going by what the manufacturer says on their label. Yeah, exactly. That is not good. So this is this is miles ahead of that, but mm-hmm. it's it's not quite what we're hoping for with a hypertension trial of, you know, ten thousand people. Mm-hmm. But, but anyway, we don't, yeah,
2: we don't even have that for conventional hearings either, though. No, um, I know it's no.
1: it's fascinating it's fascinating
2: yeah. so it was much better than I thought it was going to be to be honest when I mm. started looking into that and it, like one of the things that people ask me most commonly is like oh I'm sure that you know company x is uh, sponsoring this research but interestingly it's actually a lot of public funds there's some NIH grants a lot of research coming out of Korea and funded by the government there are some private foundations um, some it's not clear who's funding so there's probably some industry funding too but um, it's yeah, it's less messy than uh, it could be. But the main issue is really is randomization is often really not clear. Um, the blinding also not clear or not done, uh, especially in the sort of the real world, you know, if you're fitted by an audiologist versus fitting on an app, it's kind of very easy to know which one you, which group you're randomized to. And then as we mentioned, the um, the outcomes are usually in a sound booth, which is very different than holding a conversation at a coffee shop uh, when there's lots of background noise going on and very little information on quality of life. Um, yeah, so and I think one of, so it's not, so there's, um, it's not clear which pac- patients would benefit from an autogram. Um, I think the first thing to make sure there, there's no serum impacting the, uh, <laughs> Um, your canal that there's no worry that it's a sudden change that should prompt some you know red flags um, uh, and some deep uh, digging. Um, but some patients would probably st- may still benefit from this program, but we just don't know who those are.
0: And I and I know that and I think I think it's really important, like you said, to have if there's a secondary cause that you can, <laughs> that you cannot that you can figure it out. Now I know I've seen a you know a fair number of people, you know, even bypassing all of this stuff where they just literally have you know a a headset on and they can attach it to their phone and have the phone there and and that can help with this thing. Did you guys look at any of that sort of stuff? Or or you were specifically just looking at,
2: at I didn't. I came yeah. across something yeah, not necessarily a headset but the sort of the um uh Bluetooth whatever earbuds. yeah was yeah. Um, but I, there isn't, uh, there is even less research for that. But yeah. as I say, though, honestly with AI just booming as it is technology in like two years will be totally different, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so thank goodness we're getting it out today because tomorrow it's going to be quite, <laughs> it, that's the problem. But, and, and it, I think that's a, it's a good problem because, you know, you, you guys know far better than I do. I mean, uh, hearing issues can absolutely
1: have a devastating effect on quality of life. They have profound effects on quality of life. And they, you know, these poor patients, they begin to feel quite isolated, right? Because they're not, and they're going to family gatherings. They can't hear what's going on. They can't follow the conversations. They don't, especially when the background noise is added. But uh, Emily will know when we're seeing these patients in practice, it's, you you feel uh, almost trapped when they, when their hearing aids are failing them or when they're not using them and you're raising your voice to be heard uh i have at times actually written down um when they can see that because sometimes their sight is also gone yet. so yeah it's a, it's a terrible you know we kind of made i kind of joked about it at the beginning with our dads yeah um but it's it affects it obviously uh, both sexes um, all genders it it, it, affects, it can affect everyone and it has profound effects yeah. uh, on them that are very uh, isolating for them yeah and, and they'll, they'll sort of compensate
0: for it in, in a way that's probably not necessarily if they actually use them because a lot of people have them but but I, and you may have heard you'll hear it here first if they're not in your ears it really reduces the effectiveness. Yeah, they're slightly
1: less effective yeah. when they're sitting on your counter at home. Yeah, but, in a know, different this, in a different house. But this is hard for them, you yeah. know, with people on the phone trying to communicate with someone yeah. they can't hear them, um, and uh, it becomes very challenging for them to even get the basic um, what we call instrumental activities of daily living. The kind of you know, man, maybe someone's isolated and they need to order groceries over the phone. Mm-hmm that can be very challenging for people who can't. Yeah, no, exactly. So, you know, I, I think, you know, hopefully we'll see improvement
0: uh, going forward. I, not hopefully, I, I know we will. But it's, uh, it's, it's important that, because there, there is a big cost in, in uh, difference. And, and maybe Emily, if you could just give some of the context, because I think that's really important.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, the cost is going to be very variable depending on where you live and depending on the devices that you choose. But it's going to be, so conventional hearing aid, but $3,000, it uh, can go up to $5,000, um, and some of it is covered by provincial plans. Ontario so covers about five hundred dollars but that's, mm-hmm. all, once again, going to plan on where you are and whether you have private insurance, et cetera. Um, and those tend to get lost all the time, mm-hmm. my experience. So a fancy thing to get lost. Um, so two examples of the ones that were available in Canada was the CS50 Sound Solution. It was $250, and the Ethmotic Bean was $300. Um so much, much cheaper. And I think when the hearing aids stop working, you know, people are a loss as what to do. It was a couple of thousand dollars, everybody's just devastated, <laughs> versus having the option of controlling the app and changing things. You know, it's a it's a feeling of being empowered, which is also always uh, nice for the family members and the patients. Mm-hmm. Um and just to go back for the um the outcomes, Mike was pointing out in one of the RCT, the one that used the Lexilumen, which is an over the counter. Um, device, some of the outcomes were quality of life and self-assessed communication difficulties. Um, so we do have some outcomes showing that um, those devices perform well in the real world. When you ask patients, you know, how, 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 how did it feel? So it's not just in the sound booth, um, the outcomes, we do have some real world sound outcomes.
1: Yeah, yeah it's, it's so important because we hear this a lot about RCTs, like, does that, does do the benefits seen in an RCT translate and some people will use the term efficacy versus effectiveness, Mm -hmm. which is more real world. This takes it even a step further where we're not just talking about the RCT. We're talking about almost a laboratory type setting with that sound booth. Mm -hmm. So, uh, knowing that, that I just think it's important because we talked about that as a limitation, but there is some evidence within what Emily presented that shows, um, some, a better approximation of real world effectiveness. Yeah. So This
2: one RCT, 64 patients, but it was yeah, very I know. well done.
1: Like I said, best available evidence. Yeah. At
2: <laughs> but to be honest though, Mike, like the hearing aid, it's evidence itself. Like it's not great, you know? Oh, I know
1: it's terrible. Like this itself. is true. We've, we've done lots of podcasts on topics like this where, you know, we're we're looking at uh, systematic reviews and the combination is, you know, I'm um, recently when we looked at ketamine combination of like 20 trials for 180 people, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. The amount, some of the, some of the studies being done that are really quite small um, and at risk of bias um, by comparison, but it's still the best we have. And yeah. and many of these things like hearing aids, they have no RCTs because you know, we, we do know that they can amplify sound and, to get to market, they don't need an RCT to show, you know, to yeah. to verify that. Remember, it's like the old RCTs that just had to prove for diabetes that just had to prove that sugars went down.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And, and, and it's, you know, and it's even different almost and it's quite almost somewhat different than that as well, because, you know, this is so personalized. And, and you know, I think, unfortunately, these have to be adjusted and tweaked in the real world. Yeah. You know, otherwise, how do I mean? You know, otherwise, and again, you know, being used, because I certainly I, I you know with, with my dad when he was using, I mean, he just wouldn't put them in. Now that was probably because he was a bit stubborn and, and, you know, but that's the, that's just the way these things work. There's so many other features around this. And and also, do, yeah. and, 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 and also, also I was going to say most, many of the people that I've talked to who even have these ones that are really, uh, you know, that are, you know, thousands of dollars, they still don't
1: they still struggle. They always struggled in a room with, you know, with lots of people. Yeah. And then they have things where they're buzzing or clicking mm-hmm. and yeah. making sounds for them, which makes it even more irritating. And yeah. um, many of us have been in rooms with patients where their hearing aid is actually making, like you can pick up the noise from across the room. Yeah. that it's making, so I, I, I wouldn't wear something they're not like that. But, but yeah, like, and so the patients get frustrated, yeah. right? If it's, they still can't make out a conversation and, um, but they, I think what Emily was saying is a lot of these things are getting better. Like uh, for sure, yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Anything else? Yeah, uh, you guys want to, uh, Go ahead, Emily. Get, no,
2: yeah. I was gonna say by the time my dad needs hearing aids, um, you know, I think I'll just head to Amazon. That'll be my... Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the direct to consumer stuff is is easily going to take over uh, some of the other. There'll be some very unique patients that may need the more you know, the conventional hearing aids and, you know, having them properly fitted, and blah, blah, blah. But I think this is just an area that's just going to explode because
1: it's so important and, you know, there's a huge market for it. And James, and you th- used a tin can, two tin cans with a string or the megaphone? Which did you use? With well, well I, I
0: did it. Uh, I used both. And, and usually uh, when I was using it, I was uh, smoking a pipe and stroking my very long beard.
2: <laughs> While well, playing guitar.
0: Yeah, <laughs> sure, <laughs> while playing guitar and just being generally annoying, but... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Everly, but why don't you wrap up the the, the, the bottom practice line. What's, what's kind of the bottom
2: line? Alright, so the bottom line is technology is changing, uh, but even now we do have some evidence, although there's some limitations, it's still great that we have something. Uh, that allows us to state that some, although not all, are to consumer self-fitted hearing aids are likely comparable to the conventional hearing aids that are fitted with an autogram. And they do come at a much lower cost.
0: So uh, I think from that perspective, we'll leave it. But uh, it's a very quick reminder that uh, coming up in May 24, 25, here in Vancouver, we have our meme conference, which is Make Evidence Matter for Everyone. Uh, and uh, we've been doing this type of conference for you know 30 plus years and we would love it if you could show up it's a two-day conference where we do sort of 20-minute talks about really useful primary care topics Uh, we've just finalized the program that should be coming out in a in a few days I believe Uh, registration is going to start in a couple of days uh, at least from the time of this podcast and uh, or when we recorded it so by the time you're listening to it, you should be able to go there. And it's just hectalks.com, talk H-E-C-talks, T-A-L-K-S.com. Yeah. And we would love it if you'd attend. Anything else that you want to do from the college, Mike?
1: Uh, I'll just mention uh, CFPC yeah. Learn. Uh, people can check that out, um, uh, CFPC Learn, if you Google it, cfpclearn.ca. And uh, it has this podcast and other podcasts on it, and they are certified as well as tools for practice, type conference videos, webinars, all sorts of different learning opportunities for you to choose from um, at a single price. So it's, and, and it's uh, the credits if you're a family doctor are entered directly uh, for you. So it's uh, tries to maximize convenience for busy practitioners. Makes it simple. Yeah. And I will say that conference you mentioned, James, mm. I've been there once or twice, and it's not bad.
0: No, it, it, I've no. Fun, I, I, I've, I've I,
1: had fun there before. Yeah,
0: it's, it's about 1% above not bad. <laughs> oh, it's, it's as, uh, yeah, it's an awesome conference. Yeah, no, uh, thank you. And... No, that'd be great. So we would love to have people attend. So uh, I think we'll just leave it at that. So thanks as always for listening.
1: Thank you. Talk to you later.